Blog Talk Radio. about this, you know, this leap to uh, um, eating 
a hamburger. And you know, one of the things I hope to do with you is to review some of the books that both of us have read that have added to our uh, understanding, uh, misunderstanding of spirituality, but certainly have been things that kept us on the way. Did you ever read the uh, spiritual way of the spiritual warrior? Um, Daniel. Mil- yeah. Daniel, yes. I didn't read that particular book that he wrote, but I have read other books that he wrote. He, he wrote one about um, something about how to figure out how your life's going to unfold by when you were born. Not astrology, but similar. I think it was something to do with numbers. It was pretty accurate. It was pretty interesting. Yeah, he's very tuned in. He's, he's exactly my age. He was born the same year as me, I noticed. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, he's a lot of uh, us were born after the Second World War. You were right before, right, right around that too. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. He uh, he's a great storyteller. Phenomenal. If uh, <clears throat> our listeners, um, we'd recommend his books a lot because right. he. Uh, yeah. It's not only uh, many lessons, but there's phenomenal stories. Uh, some of them autobiographical. And uh, but there's a scene. The reason I talk at Socrates was his teacher. Not the Socrates, but a gentleman named Socrates who worked in a garage. And so Socrates is teaching him all about spiritual discipline, kind of not dissimilar from uh, Karate Kid. You know, he had him doing all of these physical exercises and, you know, eating the right foods and living the pure life and blah, blah, blah. And one day uh, he walks into the garage and there's uh, Socrates, the, the teacher, uh, smoking a cigarette and drinking a gin and tonic, eating a steak. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Dan Millman is all confused. And he looks at him and he says, hey, once in a while it's great. He says, everything in moderation. <laughs> <laughs> so I love to see those deviations. Now, we're going to talk about uh, your book uh, today a little bit more, and I asked you to give us some more specific stories of events right, and, and things in there. I thought I'd read part of the introduction to you because okay. there's a lot in the introduction summarizing what the book is about. And um, um, Can I you give I'd the tagline again? I love the tagline that you created. A little sex. Um, oh, that one I told you. It was... Um, sex see. in the City. Sex in Diary the City. of Bridget, Bridget Jones. Jones' Diary meets Mother Teresa. Now, when I read you the intro, a bit of the intro, you'll understand why it's kind of like that. Okay. So, you want me to start now? Sure. Let me give you a little bit. Okay. Um, the introduction, there's, there's a quote underneath um, that I, every chapter I've quoted someone, which is kind of a fun thing to do that captures the essence of what I'm talking about. And I quoted John Cabot Zinn, who said, wherever you go, there you are. Yep. Okay. Uh, Here's the intro. My name is Rebecca Tripp, and this is the story of how I created my life. In 1967, I embarked on the adventure of a lifetime, flying at the forefront of the women's liberation movement. I left my hometown of Westport, Massachusetts, for a life as a stewardess with United Airlines. During my 35-year career in the skies, the world changed. Local became global. Stews became flight attendants. Women became corporate powerhouses and I became me, the best and most complete expression of myself in this moment and every moment to come. While my physical form was flying from place to place, meeting new people and having life-altering experiences, I was simultaneously engaged in the long, often challenging journey within. 
At the tail end of it all, I came out into the light of a new understanding of our world and how we as divinely human beings operate within it. This book is a chronicle of my adventure, the tale of a self-described glamour girl from Westport, Massachusetts, who after many setbacks, traumas, and triumphs, finally managed to find what so many people around the world are seeking, a way to be truly happy. The stories in this book, which span from the 1960s to present day, are my way to share with you the lessons I've learned. We are all capable of waking up, of stepping into the amazing powers and awareness we were born with. They say life is a journey, but the fun part is we get to choose the destination. We even get to pick the color of the cushions on our beach chairs. All we have to do is decide what we really, truly want, and it will come to us. Our thoughts and feelings about our reality uh, create our reality. What we believe is what we experience. How do I know this? Because I've lived it. I've been a flight attendant, an entrepreneur, and a meditation teacher. I've lived a glamorous life as the owner of a New York modeling agency, and I've lived in hiding as a fugitive from an abusive spouse. I've been loved and I've been raped. I've struggled with pain and disease, including cancer, and I've been spontaneously healed. I've been blocked by my own limiting beliefs, and I've been liberated from the same beliefs. I've been gloriously happy, and I've been haunted. In short, I've lived a very human life among very human people. And yet my life is far more than a jump through this three-dimensional realm. By connecting to the energy of the spiritual realm, which I call the fourth dimension, I've learned to change my reality by changing my thought. My life exists now as I have created it. Inner space is the new frontier, and your mind is the new starship. Using the power of metaphysics and self-study, there is no problem that cannot be solved and no barrier that cannot be overcome. The only limits to what you can discover are the limits you impose on yourself. So that's um, there's, there's a lot wow. on the internet. Wow, extremely well written, and that's that's definitely you. Uh, uh, you know, I this I'm glad you. There's a couple of key points there that I call gray areas where you and I meet and connect, and once we start talking to them, they get uh, they become more con they, the contrast, and they become sharper rather than gray. And, mm-hmm. you know, my <laughs> my recent experience, I would have, again, eight years ago, I would have agreed with every single word and thought and period and comma and what you just said. And, mm-hmm. of course, as you know, I've been uh, in a tailspin and feel totally out of control, but in control because I've let go as opposed to right. trying to steer the ship. And so I'd like to, you know, when you say that you, know, you can get everything you want, I totally agree, but my qualification, my take on it is, from everything that I've experienced and read, is if it's within the plan, if if that place where you're, you're delving into that place of desire, Alan Watts talked about this the other day, and, and he talked about if money was not an object, if you're in alignment with what you were meant to do here or what your higher self wants, you'll mm-hmm. get it. I mean, you agree right. with that? Right, And that, that's what I teach people. It has to be within the realm of possibility for you. For example, I would never aspire to be a brain surgeon or a nuclear physicist. I was a flight attendant, and I'm an entrepreneur type who likes to, you know, I've had boutiques, and it's certain things that I'm drawn to. And there's certain things that would never, ever be in the realm of possibility for me. I, but I do believe that my higher self, my true self, guides me, leads me, um, puts me in the best possible situation 
when I feel um, the energy, the feeling of how I'm going to feel when I'm extremely happy. And it's always a surprise, but then again, um, we do have control over whether or not we're attracting good stuff or bad stuff into our lives. Right, and you know, this is the part that I love about what we're doing, because I think a lot of um, spiritual work, it gives us blanket approach to mm-hmm. things. In other words, uh, oh, if you, oh, you can have anything you want, but there's no clarification of what the heck that want is or where it comes from. And so yeah, I've seen yeah. a lot of people, yeah, I've seen a lot of people turn that into, especially we know the, the um, you know, uh, what do you call it, the abundance teachers who are professing, you know, the yachts and the, the mansions and the whatever. And it, it all becomes material. And, of course, that just grabs the attention of the poor sucker who goes, oh, wow, you know, I can have that mansion on the beach. I can have, you know, the the, the millions and trillions of dollars. I can be Donald Trump, uh, whatever. And that's when the trouble begins. Well, it can begin, yes, because um, when I first learned the art of creative visualization, I found out, yes, I could attract people, things into my life, but if it wasn't going to help someone other than just me, um, and if it wasn't just purely ego-driven, there would usually be a big zinger attached to it, meaning Uh it wouldn't come in a perfect way. And so that's that's one thing that you learn in the process, that the higher you go, the more you're not specifically, you know, dreaming of that particular yacht or that house. Or it'll come, but there might be things attached to it that you're not going to want to deal with. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, it's uh, <laughs> you and I both read Robert Scheinfeld's a uh, couple of his books. I read The um, Busting Loose from the Money Game, and I don't know if you read right. that one. Okay, you know, and he said, I think he, you know, you know, and I have both have our own opinions of Robert, especially where he is today. But, you know, he did hit on some amazing truths along the way that opened my eyes. And, the, you know, he keeps talking about the fact that uh, uh, you'll never catch the rabbit in the race, in the in the rat race, in the dog race. You're never going to catch the rabbit. In other words, and one of the people he quotes uh, continuously is Jim Carrey. And Jim Carrey's quote runs something like this. I hope everybody in the world gets exactly what they want. All the money, all the fame, all of the relationships, etc. Because then they'll find out it's really not where it's at. In other words, that rabbit that they they manufactured in their head, that they were going to catch, you know, outside of the alignment with their higher self, never has all of the things that they think you know, it was going to contain, you know, those possessions, that job, whatever, didn't, you know, that power, whatever, didn't contain the happiness that they thought it did. Well, yeah, isn't that the lesson so many people learn? They they, they finally achieved their, their goal, you know, they're at the top of the heap, and then they feel empty inside because um, they're still searching for that inner inner happiness. Inner peace is the pearl of great price. It's the thing that you know, a king will give his ransom for. People are searching for inner peace. They think they want it in what, you know, by achieving what's out there and attracting and, um, you know, manifesting things out there. But in reality, it's all within. And once you understand that when you're happy within and 
you know, it's all within your consciousness, then it doesn't matter what's happening out there. You can still have a good time, whether you get it or you don't get it. You know, it comes, it goes. That's life. But you can keep that constant inner peace um, once you've found it, and no one can take it away from you. That's, you know, again, we're leading right down where I wanted to this morning because, again, this is really important for me to, to make sure that people have a handle, a grip on, because all of those promises that, you know, you're going to get money, you're going to get fame, you're going to get that relationship, et cetera, and so it becomes this endless chase. You know, and that's one of the things that I learned along the way that, you know, everybody was talking about, oh, my God, I can, I don't want to name the individuals, but it just got to be nauseous after a while about set the, you know, plan the work, work the plan, set the goal, blah, 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 blah. And it was always, I mean, especially when you listen to people and, okay, let's mention one, Anthony, Tony Robbins. You know, you get the goal, and you'll come right out, okay, and then you got to set the next goal. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. life becomes this um, uh, um, amazing uh, stairwell, you know, of keep climbing, keep moving, you know, and while you're at it, you know, work out and, you know, put your headphones on and, you know, you know, get your exercise while you're doing it and learn to multitask and, oh, my God, what an awful path that that mm-hmm. really becomes. Well, did you see the, there was a picture in the morning paper of um, a new thing they have where, a person is working at their computer at a desk in an office, but walking on a treadmill at the same time. Yeah, I have I have a business partner who does that, and she's been doing it for, for about for, I think must be thirty or forty years. She would call me in the morning, and I would <laughs> I would hear Tom. I tell you what, and I was like. Uh, Ruth Ann, you know, we're business partners. I don't, you know, is this, is your husband around, you know, while you're doing this? I mean, uh, do I do something to you? Well, for a minute she explained she was working, running on a treadmill while talking to mm-hmm. me. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, so so that's certainly a far distance from uh, inner peace. Well, yeah, I mean, it kind of gives new meaning to the word being on a treadmill. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, because you're always in, you're you're never happy until you reach the next goal. You know, you've lost the weight or you've, uh, you know, you've got the the job or you've got the money or you've got the house or you've got the car or you've got the, you know, and it's always this, like Scheinfeld refers to, this, this rat race that continues and continues and continues and yet, um, Piece of age, you. Well, yeah, and that's one of the reasons I wrote the book because I learned very quickly when I, you know, took off on this flying adventure that I was on for many years um, that we do create with our thoughts our environment, our our life, our you know what we manifest. And I realized, um, you know, before I wrote the book, I wanted to get something out there just to help other people. Um, you know, figure out that you can you can use problems as stepping stones, first of all. Everything that happens to us is a gift, and it's a lesson. And it depends on how you want to use it. You can either let it do you in sometimes, um, which many many of the things that happened to me could have done me in, but they didn't. And Or you can use them as stepping stones, as lessons to um, transform yourself, to 
to get yourself to the next level spiritually. And it's all it's infinite. There's always something new to learn. There's always a way to take. But I just, you know, we've talked about this. I was talking to someone, maybe it wasn't you, about, you know, you listen to the news and um, the advertising they do, they never talk about solutions. It's always, oh, look at this terrible thing that happened. And they always make it sound like there is no solution. And it's time for mankind to realize there are always solutions and we should be talking about solutions instead of more problems and creating more problems and, you know, inventing new diseases to sell new pills. And it's always, let's create problems because we can make money off of problems. Exactly. This this conversation, again, when we get together, it's, it is um, mystical, it's magical, and, you know, there is a, certainly a law of attraction here. Um, let's talk about that. I think one of the things that Scheinfeld uh, introduced me to was this idea that life is a game run by, invented or created by supernatural beings, as he puts it, our higher self, souls, source, again, whatever you want to call it. And in its in its perfect state, you know, the, God, the higher beings, you know, it's very, I mean, there's bliss all of the time. But there's no game. There's no lack. There's no shortcoming. There's no challenge. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're an all-powerful being, I mean, the model to me, you know, I mean, we'll never really understand it all. But the model to me has helped me, and in, in, I really like what you say when, you say we have a choice, and I think, first of all, we can't choose a lot of the things that just happen to us. They happen. And then you have to say, like you, you get cancer. Mm-hmm. That came your way. But you made the choice. You made the choice to seek alternative healing. Right. And I had a choice, just like everybody does. Right. Um, and I knew nothing about that choice, really, but I... I just knew that what the material world, the medical world was telling me was so distasteful, that was not really a choice for me, <laughs> which was even right. Well, that, and that's, that's, I think we're getting closer to, you know, the, the, the nexus of what this is all about is that that came from within, that decision to go out, outside the medical community. That's exactly right. It came from within. And that's where our real power lies. In the outer realm, um, where our five senses are taking in everything, that's the illusion. The reality is the strength, the power, the, the God within us that is able to rise up when it needs to, to make the right choices. And right, and this is my next Again, we get the gray areas, and then when you and I, eye in the mouth, they become these sharp, you know, more crystal clear uh, explanations mm-hmm. to people. You always talk about thought, and I, I, I agree to a point. But I, I, I operate now, and again, Scheinfeld was helpful in pushing me along this path. I operate almost entirely on instinct now, which mm-hmm. is that vague area that of feeling more than uh, thought. Like some people call intuition? Yeah, absolutely intuition, yeah. Intuition. Instinct, intuition, yes. It's more accurate than your five senses. It's actually more accurate. And that's exactly why I teach people the silver techniques, because 
it teaches them to use their intuition, um, their whole brain, rather than just their, you know, five senses, beta level of consciousness. When you're in that zone, that alpha level, where you're making you're making better decisions. That's the realm. Exactly. So, you know, again, what I like is our give and take. You say thought, but then when I interject, well, you know, what about the intuitive thought? So a lot of it isn't necessarily thought, although a lot of times a feeling is accompanied by a thought, which gives us emotion. But it's this right. kind of bizarre feeling like i got to do something. That mother who is cooking dinner and all of a sudden says, i got to go look for Johnny now. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and then she finds Johnny's playing in the middle of the street, you know, because he got out of the playpen mm-hmm. or whatever. And so it's and that that's the part that we're, both of us again once we once we put it on the table and say, well, what about this? You and I both agree all the time that it's this higher self that goes right. beyond. And it's connected, which is connected to every. We're all connected exactly. at that level of consciousness. Right, and again, I think we've broken away from the the conventional spiritual uh, self-help um, approach, which is, oh, if you want it, if you think it, then you have it. And what you're starting to set yourself up, whether or not you do achieve it, I think part of the problem is, is when you actually do get it, that you find out, oh, my God, like you said, oh, my God, the problems that would come with this, when it's not... Inward, outward. In other words, when it's not this gut feeling like, wow, uh, I, I don't know why, but I have to do this. Right. Then That's you know, when you're in alignment. You're the right thing. Then you, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I have, just randomly picking things that you want to materialize into the physical realm. Um, that's a different different way of doing it. When you're aligned with your true self, your higher self, which is aligned with and in, in harmony with the divine consciousness then you're tapping into your purpose and you're you're bringing things into this dimension that you're meant to manifest because there you, you came here for a purpose exactly right. exactly and you know i um last winter i you know, i have uh, i have a penchant i don't know my mother was like this but i love flowers and i love planting now i never did this in my younger years, and of all places for me to do this, it's bizarre because I'm doing it in the inner city. So in order to do it, I don't have the land or the or the dirt or whatever, so I have to go out and buy these big planters and go get the dirt and put them in there. And So it's a lot of what people would call work. I don't, To me, if you love it, it's not work. I always make that distinction with people. But there's a gal, um, there's a restaurant in South Boston, and people should, it should be a destination spot. She makes, this woman is blessed with the ability to grow flowers. So she has this, um, she, they created this outside, you know, as people are doing in the city now. Even yesterday, you told me at Avon Louis there were tables outside. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. so she has all these tables outside in this canopy and the most beautiful garden in South Boston. And I've always wanted to talk to her because of her work. And last year, I was looking at my <laughs> my empty pots. It was getting near Christmas time. And the year before, I had purchased a bunch of greens and decorated them. You're starting to see people do that every Christmas now. It's a great um, – you'll see, you know, especially in the city. They just go out and get branches of uh, evergreens and, you know, some of the beautiful uh, – Spruces, et cetera, and they put berries. They're beautifully designed. 
And I, I was kind of sad because I said, gee, I, I can't afford to do that this year. And as a result, the, the area won't look like it did last year. So I was walking by uh, the, that particular restaurant to go to another restaurant, and there was the woman. I assumed it was the woman putting, you know, greens in these, uh, these window ba- um, boxes. And I stopped to talk to her. Sure enough, it was. And I just pumped on which her work and she said and I said geez you know I'd really like to do this here. again law of attraction manifestation uh, this this was only within a couple of hour period she says to me oh these are all free go down to Home Depot <laughs> they, they'll mm. give them to you they take the clippings off the tree and so with nice. this 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 theory that I've been developing and starting to makes more sense to me than some of the other models of how life operates and works. I looked at it and I said, let me ask you a question. I think her name was Florence. I said, Florence, is there any way? I said, do you get paid for this? She says, oh, no, I volunteer. I'm a, waitress. <clears throat> I'm a waitress here. She says, I just, I volunteer to do this. And I said, let me ask you a question. Is there any that you cannot do this. In other words, could you go through life without having this expression, this this planting these flowers or designing flowers? And she said, no. <laughs> I can't mm-hmm. not do it. I have to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's the, part, that's the part that is the higher self, right? That's right. And it's like creation always has to create. And, you know, um, that's why we can use everything. Like you have this feeling you couldn't afford to buy the greens, but you went out there, you made it happen, and you found out you could get them for free. That night, that night, the next night, the next night, my sidewalk was full of greens. (laughs) There you go. So it's all It has nothing to do with the money or whether or not you can afford something. Why they always... You know, if you really need to manifest a house or a yacht, you know, if you really need it for a purpose and, you know, you're feeling so strongly that you're going to have it, it's not about how you're going to get it with money. I mean, I manifested a house um, years ago. I wrote down exactly what I wanted, where I wanted it to be, and bingo, all of a sudden, I was building a house that was exactly what I had written down in my magic notebook. Right. And, it, you know, it just all fell into place. That's the way it works. It's, it's that feeling that you have to do this thing. It's the next step. It's the next thing exactly. that you're it's, Right, and that's beautiful. And this is, I always wanted to do this. I mean, I think this is a total manifestation, this radio show, because oh. I started to see all the flaws in the conventional spiritual self-help stuff that, oh, you can have anything you want. You want that trillion dollars? Well, yeah, if you're supposed to have it, you know, if you're supposed to be Steve Jobs, if you're supposed to be Bill Gates, if you're supposed to be, yeah, and you've got this feeling and you're following the path, yeah, you'll get it because there's nothing wrong with having trillions of dollars unless unless it starts to take you away from your source. Well, you always get what you need. And, um, you know, you're here on the radio. In a way that I could, we can do this effortlessly and seamlessly, uh, you know, without having to go to, I mean, you, you told me it, t- so it took almost two to three years to get this book published, right? Uh, not to get it published, but to get it, to get it written. 
It took that yeah, long to write. Well, that's what I mean, the whole yeah. process. Yeah, right, the process. Uh, but it wasn't um, – it didn't seem like work because it was just something that I enjoyed doing. Oh, exactly, and that's one of the right. And but so I mean, but some people make it work because they're they're doing. The, here's a great. Here's where we draw the you know the we explain the thin lines, or the between the lines. The person who's going to write a book because it's going to mean money, or they're going to get more money because of their speaking career, and they they write this you know vapid, mm-hmm. meaningless work. You know, right. it, it becomes work for them. Right, and they're focusing maybe on the money. You know, I honestly don't even know how much money you can make on a book. I mean, I, I'm clueless. I mean, I, I've heard, you know, I have no idea. All I want to do is get my book in print and take it around to cities and towns in the United States and maybe in other parts of the world and share share it with people. But I have no idea how much money, but potentially it could even make. But I know it. You're right. Once you, once we've moved out into this arena of letting the higher part, this intuition, drive us and push us, the, the money becomes like, ugh. And, and not that there's anything wrong with money, because money is a fabulous thing to feed your families and enjoy, and to uh, you know have beautiful houses, beautiful places to live, and to do. And then, if you have enough of it, to even do more good, you know, build a school or you know start a program for whatever the reason is. It's a money. I, I never. All my spiritual friends. Isn't it interesting? A lot of spiritual people have this disdain for money. Oh, who has a disdain for money? People on the spiritual realm? A lot of people on the spiritual, you know, that part where, like, oh, well, you know, I oh, don't sorry, really. Oh, sorry, the church mouth. Um, yeah. yeah. I, well, I think I think abundance is um, is natural, and I don't think it has to necessarily be the size of your bank account because if it's just frozen in a bank account, it's not really doing you any good if you're just, you know, counting it every day. But to me, abundance is being able to do what you want to do, enjoying your life, and being productive with the projects that you want to bring into the world. And as long as you're aligned with that love center within you, like we talked about Elvis on the last conversation, he always knew he was going to have money because he was giving his talent to the world. And if you're giving something, there's always going to be someone out there that will come along and want what you have to offer. Yeah, exactly. It's just what, a matter uh, of developing yourself. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, we uh, some about five minutes ago, I had a thought about Stuart Wilde. How, oh, he talked about, you know, again, a lot of his stuff great. Some of the things now that I know, you know, I don't totally agree with, but he certainly made some interesting points that when you start vibrating, when you start getting this stuff, and a thought comes to you, or a feeling, intuition, whatever, that to have something, then it increases with such velocity that it, it happens like it did for me with the flowers, boom, overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's when you, you start, t- and and that happens time and time again to me, except now it's happening with things I don't think about. <laughs> you know, it's I've entered that realm where it's all magic because I'm like, wow. How did this happen? And wow, I really dig this. I didn't even know that I would dig this in the way that I dig this and love this. And so, when the higher part of us, you know, when I, somebody took me to see 
and it's on uh, Scheinfeld's list of books, is What the Bleep. And, of course, you've seen oh, What well, the Bleep. Oh, I love that movie. I, that movie is, yes. How, uh, and um, epit- Go ahead. No, I Do you want to say some more about always, the movie? It seemed to be always playing right next to where I was giving a silver workshop. It was When it first came out in Seattle, it was in the theater right beside the hotel I was in. In Marin County, it was right down the street from the hotel I was in. It was it was kind of interesting, and um, yeah, it was um, it was a very good movie about consciousness, law of attraction, how whatever we're yeah. thinking is what we're creating in our world. It's it's got its all in it. It's a great movie. Oh, it's, it, mm-hmm. and it, you know, a tough movie. And the beautiful part I loved it. I was so many testimonials and teachings from quantum physicists, so I, I totally recommend it to everybody a certain stuff. But at the time, um, you know, the person that took me to see it, you know, she and I have been running, have the same yearning, and one of, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about today. And let's, let's go there. Don't you feel now, especially after so many years of this, and you, we get, you know, we've got a, We've got a lot of miles underneath us, so we can look back on the rearview mirror and of all of the events in your life. And then you see other people who we couldn't even begin to have this conversation with, and you go, why us? I mean, I'm, I think about that all the time now. Why was I given these insights? Why was I presented these books? You know, why did I go down this road? Well, some people would say it was your time. It was your time, because I asked the same question. Um, I I wonder why I had this, you know, spiritual healing of what the belief was cancer, and it worked, and it woke me up, and it transformed me on many levels, and why doesn't that happen for other people? And, uh, you know, as I've studied and dug into these metaphysical books and teachings, I guess it's because we're all traveling at a different speed, and... Some people are more ready than others to hear the truth about these things and accept it, where other people are, you know, that you can be resistant. I mean, I was certainly resistant for the first years of my life. I, I never, I wasn't really resistant, but I never was exposed to some of the teachings that I discovered after I started studying metaphysics because it wasn't taught in my particular church, which was a Protestant church. I didn't learn it in college or high school. I had to dig it out and find it on my own, and I think it's even still that way. It's not the general population. People that study the metaphysical laws of the universe are in the minority still on the planet. And, you know, maybe this is just a place where we come to develop and grow and and learn that it is all a dream and illusion. And the spiritual realm is the reality and we can play in all these other realms that we're creating with our thought but they're they're reflections of our consciousness and when we learn that it's all consciousness then we can start to really have some fun playing whatever we want to play exactly and that's what i was talking about earlier about scheinfeld's um theory or his model of the game that this being a game being played by by spirits or a spirit or a source or an energy what again i don't ever want to get into well, a battle over the semantics because it takes away from the truth which right. is that something bigger than the material part of us is driving the bus and it comes here to play you were talking about all of the problems well 
you know, when we start to think about it, everybody would love at one point or another to have a life without one single problem. But then when you start to think of it, man, <laughs> that could get pretty boring. Well, you have, you have, I mean, but that, and that's what keeps people, a lot of people in the drama. Um, you know, like why do people continue to get into bad relationships? They can't give up the drama. The drama becomes life. And if they don't, right? And drama, when you and again, and he, and he, and he, his model is that, and it isn't just him because Plato talked about it years two thousand years ago. I mean, a lot of the great philosophers and thinkers mm-hmm. and about the illusion and about the, the game part of this and that that's the thrill. In fact um, I interviewed uh, um, an author on Friday who had a huge substance abuse problem and you know this book that he wrote uh, was filled with all kinds of, oh my god the problems this guy confronted every single day and I said to him you know, why didn't you walk? He says, well, I'd do it now. He says, I'd walk now. But he says, I could have walked from all of those problems. He says, I was having a ball. (laughs) (laughs) He says, I loved the drama. Mm -hmm. He says, this was right up the alley for an addict. He just being constantly... The the pain is the the people that have to watch these people that look like they're unraveling and but, you know, it's exactly the lesson they need or they wouldn't be going through it. Well, and to me, it really, the model fits because if you think about it, this supernatural being who's living in a state of bliss without any any problems, without any limitations, comes to play a game. I mean, all games have limitations. They have time, you know, the struggle against the other team uh, or struggle against yourself, whatever. And the the overcoming it, the victory, the thrill of the victory, or the agony of the defeat, whatever. But you can't have that without limitation and lack. You mean you have to you have to have the opposite in order to you wouldn't be able to exactly, and that's part of the game. Right. right, but on the on the truly spiritual part of it, there, you're right. There is no lack. There is no. Um, you know, none of this conflict, none of these crises, it's, it's pure, it's pure bliss. Well, The you know, Hidalion is another book that explains a lot of that, you know, on love, hate, everything has an opposite. And if you want more love in your life, you just move your emotional state into the love frequency. Forget about, you know, fear. It, it's love and fear, of course, are the two Major exactly, exactly. So, yeah. well, listen, yeah. I, you know, we could go on forever, and, and I know they're gonna. I think they shut us off last week. We're coming up. We've got about two minutes left. Um, again, thank you so much. The the reading of the forward was fabulous, and um, you know, it, it, and with that kind of intentionality, with that kind of purpose, I mean, how can how can this book fail? Oh, I don't know. It'll be fun to travel around with it. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, that happened to Eckhart Tolle, right? Right. Did you know that part of his story? Uh, after he wrote the book? Yeah, he wrote the book, and this was, and he wrote the book because he was going to kill himself, and then this light came to him and saved him, <clears throat> a miraculous uh, recovery. So he wrote the book, and he used to walk around to cities and towns peddling it at bookstores. Oh, he did? I never heard that part. Yeah, he, he he set out to do exactly what you're trying to do, and then guess what? 
Oprah got the book. Right. And the game was well, over. Oprah doesn't do that anymore, though. <laughs> exactly. Hey, Rebecca, thanks met, again. Well, thank you. It was great talking to you. You too, and let's continue. Great, sure. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. And uh, have a have a beautiful, spiritual, manifesting, abundant day. Thank you. Let me introduce you.